Good morning, Springfield. You're tuned to 104.1 FM KSGF. Uh, Nick Reed is surviving his uh, Super Bowl party. You're tuned to Tom Martz. I have in studio with me Patrick Holland of the Missouri Freedom Initiative. And this hour, we're going to be discussing and talking to probably, in my opinion, one of the better liberty state reps in the state of Missouri by the name of Tony Lavasco. But before we do all that, we have to go to the news. And your first alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks. We have a wind advisory from Tuesday through Wednesday morning. But for today, we have sunny skies with a high near 62. Tonight, slight chance of rain with a low of 46. On Tuesday, rainy and windy with a high near 57. And on Wednesday, sunny skies with a high of 70. Currently in Springfield, it is sunny and 38. Sunny and 38. I love it. Hey, the reason I'm going to have Tony Lavasco on, at least one of the reasons, is his House Bill 869. Uh, It is a bill that would allow, I hate to say it that way, it would give somebody the availability of partaking in fungi, as in mushrooms, in a manner of treatment for things like post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, resistant depression, mental illness, and those types of things. And in listening to several interviews of uh, – what's the quarterback's name for the Packers? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. In listening to him and his experience when he was partaking of whatever the mushroom was that he was partaking of – He says that experience was very enlightening. It kind of mellowed out his attitude, and I'm kind of curious on why it is or how it is that Tony has delved into this for a piece of legislation. So if Sarah can bring him up. Good morning, Tony. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Hey, with me in studio, and I don't know if you know Patrick Holland or not, but he's part of the Missouri Freedom Initiative, of which you may have heard that group. Hey there, Tony. Nice talking to you, man. How are we doing, Patrick? (laughs) Doing good. Doing good. Hey, I wanted you on, Tony, because I think in all sincerity, in looking at some of the scoring sheets for the legislative committee, you are probably one of the more liberty-oriented individuals in our state legislative body. And you're also out of the area. I mean, everyone knows our group of state reps within this area because Nick has them on air often enough that people know them by name. But you're up in the St. Charles area, right? That's right. Yeah, right. I thought it was. Okay. Now, one of the reasons I, I thought I was looking through some of the pieces of legislation this year and your House Bill 869 kind of piqued my interest. So I was kind of wanting to pick your brain on why it is that you started down this route. Whether or not you've done mushrooms, I don't care. That's up to you. That's your own private business. But how did you go down this route or what brought you down this route to have fungi as a mechanism to treat people from various different uh, issues like with PTSD and such. Well, to, for the record, I have not done mushrooms, but oh. <laughs> um, you know, the, 
I initially approached this as a completely liberty issue. Uh, I, I didn't really have a, an opinion on the effectiveness uh, of the product. Uh, my, my thought was, you know, I, I'd been re- uh, reading that other states had been looking into it. Uh, a few folks had talked to me about it. And my position was, look, if somebody thinks that this is going to help them, even if it's completely bogus, government ought to stay out of their way. We shouldn't be criminalizing doctors for giving patients options. Whether or not those options are things that I personally would find useful or not, doesn't matter. Then I started looking into it. I started talking to people, doing the research, looking at some of the studies. And I got to tell you, I, I think it actually works. I was actually astonished listening to the stories that some folks had uh, about how they just were really struggling with a lot of issues and one or two treatments, and they were having massive progress. Uh, you know, I, I, I was expecting very much to go in and, you know, meeting a, a bunch of people that, you know, come across like they'd, uh, you know, done one of those random internet diet pills or something that, you know, you, you can always hear in people's voices when they're selling themselves on something rather, you know, than something actually working uh, because they felt like, oh, I've already committed. I got to believe this now. I got none of that. You know, these are folks that are genuinely struggling through some stuff. A lot of them are war veterans who, you know, had PTSD from serving overseas. We've had people with, you know, near suicidal issues uh, when it comes to depression. And, and these, these, these treatments have changed people's lives. Uh, most of them had to leave the country in order to get them because there's there's so limited access here in the states, uh, and so I thought, you know what, if I can do something to help these people, I need to do that. Yeah, for a country that says we're the land of the free, home of the brave, the f- freedom for I, I guess I'm defining it in a different manner than whoever created that saying because I would expect that freedom would allow me to be able to go down and whether or not it's regulated. You know, that that's neither here nor there, but the fact that something like this is available to help people would be a huge benefit. You know, it's really interesting to see the, the kind of role that the government plays when it comes to ostensibly protecting people from themselves, right? Uh, the idea that uh, we're going to have an FDA that's going to determine whether or not drugs are effective before they're brought to market. We've got you know, supposedly all these regulations that are supposed to, to to protect people from unscrupulous companies or from making a choice that they themselves make freely but are maybe uninformed. Uh, the government always wants to play that uh, that warrior that steps in and, and saves the day, and they just get it right so infrequently. <laughs> it really is amazing how terrible they are at actually protecting people. Uh, and most of the time, all they end up doing is, is causing more harm, uh, regardless of their intentions. Well, yeah, there, there's there's a product that I came, I got familiar with because of Patrick and his group through one of the gentlemen who, and I'm not going to name one on air. I don't know if I'd get in trouble if I did, but I know I I bought a bottle, I gave it to the wife and said, "Here, take this." It took her two weeks to finally pop the top off of the bottle, but I noticed the other day she told me she said, "You know." In drinking this now for like the last four days, I've noticed that my carpal tunnel is nowhere near as bad as it used to be because she has it in both wrists. And this product is advertised or it's been uh, noted that it has anti-inflammatory properties. So there are things on the market if people would just give them a chance. I mean, I I take Butterbur all the time. It's for migraine headaches. And people, their first inclination is to go to a professional doctor. Mm -hmm. Well, I got to Butterbur because I started researching the Mayo Clinic and started researching all these different things and found out it was an herbal product. 
And the fact that there are actually herbal products on the market that can help people with the issues that you've listed in this piece of legislation is absolutely fantastic. And we have a commercial break, but I'll bring you back up after the commercial break. You're tuned to 104.1 FM KSGF. Good morning, Springfield. We are in a process of talking medicinal mushrooms, which have been found by various individuals and medical professionals to be quite beneficial. I don't know what it does within the brain. I don't know what it does within the body. But there are some things that sometimes people take that are outside the mainstream that do benefit them in some manner. So with me on the phone is uh, Representative Tony Lavasco, and he has sponsored, and I'm going to say he's written until I'm proven otherwise, the uh, House Bill 869, which deals with its two new sections relating to natural medicine. And one of the things that worries me about a piece of legislation like this is they'll log roll it into something else that deals with medicine or medical professionals or something of that nature, which takes it outside the parameters of what the bill was introduced for and what it does. So for a group like the Lock and Smith Foundation, even though we like that section of the bill, we'll probably have to proclaim it to be unconstitutional because of how they get it to the floor and how it gets to the Senate. But Tony's well aware of how things get log-rolled into many different areas that they shouldn't be. Aren't you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, And unfortunately, I I think you'll find that this session is probably going to be the worst, at least since I've been there when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, We had some changes to, to how the rules work in the back end and and a slightly unforeseen consequence of that is that we're probably going to end up with a lot more omnibus bills, which I am not a fan of either. Uh, we, we basically have a procedure uh, that a bill, after it is heard in committee, it goes to a, what they call a rules committee that ostensibly is supposed to be checking to make sure that the bill complies with all the House rules. In reality, it's kind of just a funnel that's used uh, if leadership or, or someone else wants to slow down a bill uh, or maybe kill it before it hits the floor. Uh, which generally I, I think is good. We've got a lot of terrible bills, and killing stuff in, in rules is fine. Uh, what's not so great is that a, a unofficial, unwritten rule uh, that was uh, kind of created by leadership this, uh, this cycle uh, is that they're only going to allow a certain number of bills to, in fact, uh, from each of the various committees to advance to that next stage uh, basically by mid-March. Uh, which everyone kind of recognizes as the cutoff for whether or not a bill is going to have enough time to make it through the process on its own over in the Senate. If, it, if it's not out of the House by that time, it's probably not going to not going to go through. And by kind of slowing things down, the idea was that uh, theoretically we should be able to do more work in committees. We should be a little bit more collaborative. I think it was a good concept. Uh, unfortunately, it also encourages folks to kind of pile things on and and do exactly like you suggest, where things are rolled together because the individual bills aren't moving as frequently on their own, and so they have to kind of move as a group. And uh, not a huge fan of that. I'm, I'm afraid that's going to be a side effect of that. Yeah, one of the things I always try to tell people is that, you know, the the reason there are certain sections of the state constitution is to pro- that prohibits that type of activity was to make it so that your job as a representative or your job as a senator was incredibly difficult to do because you're not supposed to completely over-regulate and over-govern a free people. 
<laughs> However, in in doing what we've done the last uh, twelve years now, I, it it's not an impediment. You, it just occurs. The governor allows it to happen. He doesn't veto them. If they do get vetoed, then they, of course, you can override them in session in the special set or in veto session. But the 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 reason those rules were there was to make it so that the people had as much liberty and as much freedom as possible, unless they violated somebody else's rights. But that doesn't seem to be the way it works in Jefferson City. No, that's true. You know, it's unfortunate. Uh, I, I thought about, oh, well, what can we do to possibly clarify that language, right? The courts obviously aren't going to help us. That, that they've, they've ignored their responsibility when it comes to the Missouri Constitution a while back. Uh, you know, what can we do to perhaps fix the problem so we don't have all these ominous bills? And I kind of was brainstorming different ways of accomplishing that. And the really sad thing that I came up with is, knowing what I know about the way people work in Jefferson City, pretty much all roads lead to omnibus. <laughs> no matter what you do, no matter what rule change you come up with, there's always some way that people will just kind of force their way down that path. Whether you limit the number of bills people can file, whether you say that a bill has to be a certain length, whether you have to say that uh, the subject can't be changed after it's initially filed, uh, there's, there's all kinds of different clever ways that you, you can try to lock it down. And you know what? Legislators are just incredibly crafty at coming up with ways to completely subvert the intentions of the rules. And it's frustrating. Yeah, but they, they've been able to do that because of court opinions that have allowed that to happen. You're tuned to 104.1 FM KSGF. Springfield's Talk 1041. We have a promotional giveaway that I need to tell you about. The musical Hamilton is coming to Springfield February 22nd through March the 5th. And of course, we want to send you to see Hamilton. It's going to be live at Juanita K. Hammonds Hall on Thursday, February 23rd. That's the day that you have a chance to win tickets for. Now you can register to win at ksgf.com and our homepage slider. Uh, so make sure you head over there and register today to win your tickets to see Hamilton live at Juanita K. Hammonds Hall. I so want to be there if Mike Pence is there. I absolutely do. If you were a cast member, I would, I'd probably join you as well. If, well, if, well, no, I want the original cast that okay. were in New York when the, the gentleman be, uh, denigrated Pence mm-hmm. because he was part of the Trump administration. Yep. But if he threw on the wig and played the role of Hamilton, I think that would be, you know, kind of interesting. Yeah, that that would be unique. And he'd be singing as well about liberty and freedom. I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if I want him singing or not. <laughs> I know. Is Tony back up? Hey, Tony, there is another bill I'd like to discuss with you too. It came across from the Senate side. And it just so happens to be about gold and silver, and it is better known as SB100. And I was kind of wondering if you might be the individual as the house handler of it. You know, I haven't had discussions about that yet, but I, if it's what I'm thinking of, I'd certainly be interested. I didn't realize that had been fast-tracked quite as quickly. That's uh, pretty fantastic if that's yeah. the case. Tony, it's in your wheelhouse now. It actually, uh, it was on Thursday of last week. It actually went through the Senate, uh, 21 to 12, and it's already had a first read in the House. And I'd, I'd encourage you to take a look at that bill. It's a pretty exciting bill. I think you're aware of it, though. 
I am absolutely. No, that, that's that's excellent. I, I'm really impressed that it was able to move so quickly. Yeah, it's uh, for those of you who are listening today. Let me let me explain a little bit what SB 100 is. It's it's from Senator Bill Eigel, uh, Charleston uh, or St. Louis area. I can't remember, uh, but. This is a bill that actually turns gold and silver back into legal tender in the state of Missouri, but it does more than that. It actually gets rid of capital gains taxes, which is the last vestiges of taxes we have on gold and silver in the state of Missouri. It also has a provision in it to prevent seizure of gold and silver, you know, looking back to 1934 when FDR did, unfortunately, confiscation of gold. And also it's it's uh, asking the state to set aside a small portion of reserves in the form of physical gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. And so that's the bill we're talking about. And I, I knew Tony was aware of it, too. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure you knew it, it, it went to the House there. I figured that would interest you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'll, I'll definitely have to be contacting uh, Senator Eigel and see if he'd be interested in having me uh, carry it across the field on this side because uh, that is 100% within my wheelhouse. Yeah, because coming from my side of the political aisle and looking at who votes for what, it gets to the point when I'm scoring spreadsheets. Now, to me, until I met you, you were simply a name on a spreadsheet. I had no clue who you were or where you stood. But as we start scoring pieces of legislation, you end up with certain people who are more liberty-oriented. They'll also vote against certain things that the House or the uh, the leadership are trying to direct, no matter how unconstitutional they are. And SB 100, in my opinion, needs a person who is a more liberty-freedom advocate that understands the principles of bullion and gold and silver rather than trying to trap people into a digital currency or the greenback or anything else and it would be a huge benefit because it absolutely does it doesn't violate the constitution matter of fact it's actually the opposite it is absolutely constitutional the problem is is will it stay that way i don't know what other pieces of legislation that have been introduced in the thousands of pieces of legislation that are introduced that deal with monetary policy or gold and silver or something that, you know, they can hogtie that to because it seems SB 100 is a it, it is a bill that's moving quite quickly. So there will be other people who go, well, I'd like my bill attached to that. I'd like my bill attached to that. I'd like my bill attached to it. And the next thing you know, it goes completely haywire. Yeah, no, I, I, my concern would be that uh, someone will decide, uh, oh, it's a, it's a brilliant idea. We'll change the title to Relating to Financial Transactions. Exactly. And then we'll start talking about, you know, payday loans or something. You know? <laughs> payday loans. Hey, uh-huh. I was going to tell you, Tony, uh, did you hear about uh, – by the way, the Missouri Freedom Initiative is very much into this bill. We're definitely promoting this bill. Um, did you hear about the uh, amendment that was made by Senator Bratton? I did not. It, it's, a, it, it's an interesting short – and a very important amendment where basically he put an amendment in there to make sure that uh, basically all public entities in the state of Missouri could not mandate a digital currency for transactions. Oh, yeah. That was a fascinating amendment. I I saw that happen live, and I was a little bit confused, but uh, once I heard it again, it started making a lot of sense to me. So 
but at any rate, uh, yeah, the Missouri Freedom Initiative is very, very much wanting this to go through. I think this is a great constitutional bill for the state of Missouri. And for those of you thinking that this is gold and silver coins you're going to have to carry in your pocket, it doesn't necessarily mean that at all. There's electronic ways of, of spending gold and silver. Uh, plus, also, you have goldbacks, which are very popular. And, and there's seven states that have them so far. But but uh, basically, under the legal tender, you know, uh, we could actually use that as currency in the state of Missouri as well. Yeah, no, I think the, the idea of going back to some kind of monetary system that is, is backed by something other than a promise, uh, you know, is a fantastic idea we need to be moving towards. And while this, of course, doesn't do that directly, uh, if more and more states take up bills like this and, and gold and silver will become looked at as, you know, money again and not just the thing that, that coats electrical wires, uh, you know, I think that goes a long way to help moving us in that, that direction. Tony, we have a break, so we'll get back to you after the break. You're tuned to 104.1 FM KSGF. Springfield's Talk 1041, your first alert forecast. We have a wind advisory from Tuesday through Wednesday morning, but for today we have sunny skies with a high near 62. Tonight we have a slight chance of rain with a low of 46. On Tuesday, rainy and windy with a high near 57. And on Wednesday, sunny skies with a high near 70. Currently in Springfield, it is sunny and 39. And real quick, I'd like to tell you about my friends over at Beatles Property Maintenance. Now, first things first, Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S. And what do they do? Well, I'll tell you. They do a variety of home repairs and maintenance. Now, they can help you out with some of those big name jobs that you may have. Uh, Maybe you have some mold that you need to get taken care of. They can help you out with that. Uh, Crawl space repairs, uh, water leaks. So any of those big name items that you need done, they can help you out with that. But they can also help you out with those uh, honeydew list items, those things that pile up over time. You know, we need to replace our ceiling fans or we would like to do a bathroom remodel or we would like new flooring in our kitchen, kind of like the husband and I just did. Uh, Beatles Property Maintenance, that can help you out with those uh, everyday items as well. So whether you find yourself needing a uh, big home repair or just a list of small maintenance items, highly recommend giving Beatles Property Maintenance a call today. Now you can find all of their contact information housed at ksgf.com under the Sarah's Endorsements tab. You only spelled it once. B-E-A-D-L-E-S. Okay, good deal. (laughs) Part of the problem with the honeydew list is you actually, if you're going to do something in a room, like the kind of honeydew list I have, needs for a room to be empty. And our house isn't realistically large enough to have, or it seems like every time we get close to maybe having an empty room, something happens and the room doesn't get emptied. So I'm almost at the point now, a storage space, that should should be your next next commercial that comes about is somebody who has storage spaces and just go ahead and move everything out and start, but... With me on the phone is uh, Representative Tony Lavasco. Tony, we, we were we were discussing SB 100, and I think there are, you know, it's the gold, gold and silver bill, and I, th- I don't want to say this is you. I, I'm just doing a broad generalization here. There are people up in Jeff City that I believe that if you look at how they talk versus how they vote, it seems to be quite the opposite. People who seem to be able to talk liberty, freedom, and limited government, when you start tracking how they vote, they're the exact opposite of how they speak, which is why I brought up 
uh, SB100 because I think you are probably, and I don't know how well-liked you are up there because of your stances and how you vote, but I think that type of a bill would be right in your wheelhouse and also something that is very understandable because I see you... I see you as being more freedom, liberty-oriented than Bill Eigel, and I also see that Bill Eigel has become a more liberty, more freedom-loving guy the longer he stays up in Jefferson City, which absolutely blows me away because usually it's the exact opposite. Well, you know, I've known Bill for quite a few years, and I can tell you he's always actually been a pretty good liberty guy. Uh, I think he had a little bit of time getting his legs uh, under him when he first was elected. It's a it's a very difficult job to do uh, and remain principled just because you are pulled in so many directions and you know it is tempting to kind of kind of go down the path of following your rhetoric rather than your, your principles and uh, I think he did a great job of, of staying on the path it, it perhaps took him a little bit to, to champion some of the the big issues that you know folks like you and I might care about but uh, you know Bill's one of the good guys for sure. Hey, so you, well, go ahead. If I could ask a question of you real quick, Tony. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, and it's actually fascinating to track, uh, and I'm going to take you down the road of SB 100 again, uh, that Senator Eigel's legislation has ended up, you know, bits and pieces of it, if not in in its entirety, has shown up in nine states across the United States. Uh, he pre-filed, of course, December 1st, and it just if you look at February 1st, uh, Tennessee's got an entire copy of his bill, and so does South Carolina, and they filed, I think it was on January 1st. Can you tell me why you think it is that uh, the, the whole idea of going back to transactions using gold and silver, whether it be electronic or physical form, seem to be so you know popular in vogue right now? Well, I think that's easy. It's been 30 years since we've had inflation or anything like this. Uh, you know, people are actually paying attention to the value of the dollar now, uh, which I would say in the last, you know, two decades, they probably weren't. The, the average person wasn't really all that concerned. You know, yeah, the prices go up, but it went up slowly. Uh, they're, you're making a little bit of interest in the bank. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, you know, it's only been until real recently that a lot of folks have understood the, the real dangers of hyperinflation. Uh, you know, if you look into that, it doesn't take you very long to figure out, well, the reason for that is because we've got a federal reserve system that, you know, makes money out of thin air that decides to, to inject money into the economy, uh, outside of the normal market bounds. And, you know, something like gold and silver provides not only a hedge for that on a personal level, uh, but as an economic policy level, it provides something that actually, you know, is stable and has physical practical value outside of its just completely made up determination uh, by government. So I, I think it's not surprising at all that these things are they're getting traction. So is there any anything House-side-wise or maybe on the Senate side? Because there's seven – what I find amazing is there's seven pieces of legislation already from the Senate sitting on the House floor, and that's unheard of because usually it's the other way around. <clears throat> but besides the uh, the mushroom bill that we've been discussing, are there any bills – that you've sponsored or that you've co-sponsored that you believe deserve a shot to become within the state statutes of Missouri? You know, one of my big priorities every year has always been uh, reforming or hopefully trying to eliminate the concept of civil asset forfeiture. I filed that bill again this year. Uh, Unfortunately, it hasn't been referred yet, so that one is uh, kind of waiting in the wings. Um, I do have a measure, though, that's a little bit more close to home uh, for most people, and that's uh, regarding building permits. 
uh, filed a measure that I've, I've deemed the Building Permit Reform Act, because you know, everything's got to have a name. Uh, and it basically, it just says that if you live in your home and you want to do your own repairs or upgrades on your property, you're not able to do that without a whole bunch of hoops you got to jump through. Uh, my home county, St. Charles County, actually required me to take an electrical exam in order to, to pull a permit in my own name to do some electrical work on my house. Uh, it was a very long process. I had to study for it for several months. Uh, they actually equated it to something that they would give a journeyman for a licensing test uh, just to do my own work. Uh, work that, of course, was already being inspected, already being looked over by the government. There was already all kinds of things that I had to follow as far as codes. Um, but they decided that, you know, they'd just as soon have me use a, a, a licensed contractor uh, that they've, they've selected and, and not do the work myself. And, and this was just kind of a barrier in my way. So I've got a bill that, that says I can't do that there, there are actually political subdivisions here in the state of Missouri that require you to hire a master plumber in order to replace a water heater. It's yeah. absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> it's amazing to me that the concept of owning your home, that you know, your own, home is your castle, right? That was the old, old saying, uh, has basically completely gone by the wayside. Uh, forgetting the fact that you never really own your property because you've got property taxes where they could come and take it from you at any time if you decided not to pay tribute. But on top of that, doing something as simple as replacing a piece of drywall requires you know, government permission in some jurisdictions. That's actually a thing. Yeah, sure. One thing I'd like to bring up, too, since you brought that up, is uh, there's Senator uh, Mary Elizabeth Coleman's bill, uh, SB 161, where she's trying to get rid of sales taxes on food in the state of Missouri, which, by the way, I think is a really good idea. But the concept is this. I have to eat in order to survive. I think most Missourians do, if not all. And But in order for us to eat, in order to survive, we have to give an ounce of flesh to the government every time we go to the grocery store. Sales tax on food. Most states do not have this. 42 states do not have sales tax on groceries. Or more specifically, there's a few of them that allow you to actually write it off on your taxes. But most states actually don't have this. And, and here we're talking about licensure. I mean, there's a lot of government in our lives, Tony. I mean, there's just a lot. I mean, do, do we really need all this government? Tony, ha- hold, hold on no, to your response. We have a uh, crash commercial message, so as soon as we get back, we'll have you answer. You're tuned to 104.1 FM, KSGF. Good morning, Springfield. 104.1 FM, this is the Nick Reed Show. I am Tom Martz, and also sitting in studio for the first time ever is Patrick Holland from the Missouri Freedom Initiative, getting his getting his hands a little dirty in discussing on, on a radio show, but he all, already has a podcast, so he's familiar with that. And uh, with me on the phone is uh, Tony Lavasco. And, Tony, one of the things I absolutely find amazing is in 2010, the Republicans pretty much had complete control of the the legislature arm of the state why is civil asset forfeiture, which is something that every Republican should be in favor of, it is also something that every Democrat should be in favor of. Why is it so difficult for that to happen? Well, to be clear for your listeners, uh, we should all be in favor of abolishing it, yeah. <laughs> not keeping it in state. Well, that, that's what However, I meant. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's an important distinction. I, honestly, I, the, the reason is there is a powerful force in the law enforcement community that wants to remain constant. You know, the, 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 the funding mechanism that is used to kind of enforce this uh, is very insidious. We've got the federal government 
stepping in and saying, we're basically going to give cutbacks. It's basically a, like a bribe or kickback um, to the local law enforcement and prosecutor's office who transfer property to the federal system uh, to be uh, forfeited in this expedited process. And, and the, the localities, they're, they're benefiting from this in the tunes of, of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, St. Charles County, it takes almost a million dollars a year from the federal program uh, in exchange for passing on stuff so that the feds can, can take your property without trial. Uh, it really is insane. And, and the, the unfortunate reality is no one on either side of the aisle, uh, not, maybe not no one, but very few people on either side of the aisle wants to stand up to that kind of law enforcement machine because... You know, law enforcement is pretty important. You know, people rely on it. Uh, there's certainly a movement on the left to to attack law enforcement regularly, and I think, unfortunately, on the right, the knee-jerk reaction is, well, you know, if the left is attacking them blindly, we need to support them blindly. And of course, neither approach is reasonable. Has has anyone up there ever read the Ninth Amendment to the United States Constitution? <laughs> I, I would guess very few, actually. That's a less popular amendment. But uh, you're referring to the uh, the, 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 the requirement or, or the, the enumeration uh, that just because we didn't write it down doesn't mean that you don't have that right. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it seems to me, and of course I, I know I, I hate the term law enforcement because of the how it's become manipulated to include things like civil asset forfeiture. forfeiture. But if the the people in that wear the badges, the uniforms, and the guns would just follow Article One, Section Two, in the state constitution, there would be more than ample enough money floating around to fund the what it is that they are required to do by their oath, instead of what's encoded into state statute. Well, sure. I, I think that's, you know, the, the reality is the, the, the need for a law enforcement presence is directly linked to the need for laws. And as we both know, we have way too many of those. <laughs> you know, so the more things that the government decides to micromanage, the more things the government decides to ban, uh, the more areas of your life that the government decides that they get a say in and you don't, well, the more that the law enforcement arm that, that enforces those regulations uh, is going to end up becoming too powerful and is going to you know, be overreaching. A, a simple government requires a very simple law enforcement process, and, and you know, that's, that's the way the country was founded, and it's the way we should go back to. Yeah, because we've gotten to the point now where er, er, pretty much, you know, the, uh, what was it, Tears for Fears did that song, Everybody, Everybody wants, wants to, to Rule, rule the, the World. world. Yeah. Well, every, every neighbor wants to rule their neighbor. Yeah, but you see, that's the whole point. I and mean, what Representative Lavasco is representing here is, you know, you know, should you be involving government to regulate your neighbor, or should you and your neighbor get together and regulate your government? I mean, it's a, it's a simple process for if you think about it. You and your neighbor should be regulating your government, and you should not be using your government to regulate your neighbor. That sounds yeah, like something absolutely. that would I think... appear on, uh, what was that guy, uh, Mr. Rogers. Oh, That okay. would have been a classic for him to... <laughs> yeah, putting on a sweater while he's talking about, yeah. hey, don't use the government to regulate your neighbor. Yeah, and then there'll be a nice little song, and then he's got to put his sneakers on. And Th- Think of how many kids or how many people could have literally been educated yep. in that manner instead of the manner that, oh, if you see something, say something. <laughs> 
if you see people yeah. not wearing a mask, call 1-800-TYRANNY, T-Y-R-A-N-N-Y. It's amazing to me how few people really understand the concept that anytime somebody says, oh, you know, there ought to be a law, you're literally calling to have people with guns come and enforce that law under penalty of death. Right. right. If you break the law, they'll, they'll come for you. If you resist when they come for you, they kill you. That, that's the all, all, all undertones of every single thing that we pass, every, time, every rule we create. Uh, yet if you're not willing to enforce that rule under penalty of death, well, maybe we not, ought to have, not have that rule. And then that concept just is, is just totally lost on so many folks. Yeah, and part of the problem we have in Just City, too, and I've noticed over the past decade, is when you – when they try to change a law to mean something that it doesn't, they'll they'll insert verbiage or they'll remove verbiage that makes it incredibly difficult for somebody to understand. And then the concept is, well, let's let the judges decide. Well, no. If, if there's something written, I should be able to understand it to the point where somebody with a sixth-grade education – could also understand it, but we've gotten to a point, we're so far away from that now, it's not even funny. Well, sure, and I think one of the other problems is everyone assumes that everybody else reads things the way they do. I can't count the number of times I've had a, a criticism of a piece of legislation as far as how it's constructed verbally, and I'll point out, you know, I don't think this is actually doing what you're telling me it, it does, and, and I'll explain it again, and like, okay, yeah, I can see how you would think that, but that's not what the English words that you wrote there do. <laughs> and and the, the, the feedback I get is, oh, well, you know, it's obvious what I was doing there. Well, maybe it's obvious to you, <laughs> but good legislation is not something that is vague. It's not something that has multiple ways of interpreting it. Uh, as you pointed out, it, it's straightforward, it's simple, and if it could be taken to mean something that you didn't intend, well, you need to fix that long before you write it down into, into law. Well, if it's obvious, then go read the arguments on why it is that the 14th Amendment needed to be passed versus what the 14th Amendment has become in 2023. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know, the, the concept of making sure that states don't take away your rights, you know, in a you know, location or an area that the federal government has already said that, that they're not going to, uh, to me, is fundamental. But uh, the, the fact that somehow that turns into... Well, I guess you got to bake the cake now, uh, but that—that's just kind of mind-boggling to me. Yeah, well, the Fourteenth was pretty dominant. It was also dominantly to make sure that the people of color were also brought up to the same standard of people who are white. But no one thinks about that either. Tony, I want to thank you for your time. I want to appreciate the, uh, the uh, of having the opportunity to interview you on the air. If there's anything that you need, just reach out. You have my phone number. Uh, same goes here, Tony. Great talking to you again. And by the way, take a real quick look at SB100, man. That's a golden bill with lots of silver linings. Oh, what a play on words. Yeah. Yeah, I got it in there, didn't I? (laughs) Hey, you're tuned to 104.1 FM KSGF. Thank you, Sarah.